What strategies can help you survive and grow as a small business in a struggling economy? What is a better business growth strategy? Selling more of the same? Expanding your product offering or both? What are the best strategies to prepare for an upcoming meeting with potential investors or partners? Welcome to this edition of Questions That Entrepreneurs Ask. My name is Dylan Gallagher. Thanks for listening to this podcast episode. Certainly appreciate it. And I love, 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 love the feedback. Love some of the comments and the questions today. I got an email from a fellow that said, hey, been listening to your podcast. Any chance we could have a coffee? Because I am looking for someone to talk to about financing. And of course... Not only do I love hearing myself talk, but I also enjoy a great cup of coffee. So thanks very much for tuning in. Um, We've got, uh, or I've got three great uh, questions that I'm going to be answering today. These questions come from Quora and or questions that are sent to me from people that are just looking for some answers. And my hopes are that in giving you these off the cuff answers that you find little gems or maybe you find a stone in your shoe based on something that I've shared that helps you uh, go back to your business tomorrow or today and maybe revisit uh, an old idea or start a fresh one. So thanks for tuning in. Um, The first question we have today or I have today sitting on on deck is um, what strategies can help you survive and grow as a small business in a struggling economy. I firsthand, full disclosure, firsthand, I was one of those guys that never really paid much attention to how well my business was doing until such time as the economy bottomed out. And then it occurred to me, uh, not overnight, (laughs) it took several years for it to occur to me, but it occurred to me that, you know what, it's actually pretty easy to run a business in a good economy. I mean, it just is. You know, things, there's customers, there's product, there's services, there's profit margin, there's cash, everything kind of works really well. But you really get to see how good you are as an entrepreneur and how good your business is when you are in a struggling economy. And my, my thesis or my, my, my thinking goes a little something like this. If your product or service had uh, a need or was able to uh, satisfy a need in the marketplace when times are good, chances are your customers and the market still have that need, but it's just going to be a little harder to figure out how to get to that customer, earn that revenue, and generate that profit margin. So uh, in a struggling economy, there's that that old saying that uh, money is made in a down market and collected in an up market. And if you've been listening to this podcast for some time, you'll know that I've used that line a few times. And it really does kind of capture the idea that, you know, um, maybe I I could probably explain it by giving my own example. I remember back in 2009, February, maybe 2009, which was the bottom of the financial crisis for me anyway, and the firm I was, uh, I owned and operated and ran at the time. And I remember thinking, you know what? It's going to be 30 days and life's going to be okay. And then 30 days went by and it was like, you know what? Going to be a couple months. Give it a couple months. Things are going to come back in a couple months. Um, I I went so far as to even raising some equity for my business because I thought that I would need to find a way to cover my operating costs while I was, quote unquote, waiting for the market to come back. Well, the truth is the market actually never came back. Um, it came back in a different way. It didn't come back in the way that I thought it was going to come back in. And I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish someone would have told me that 
or maybe that I was I was open enough to listen to people who were probably saying, hey, like when the market comes back, it's not going to come back like it did. It's going to be different because that would have forced me to figure out how to make our business relevant in uh, a market that was overcrowded, had too many businesses like us, and there wasn't enough of a value proposition for customers that were really looking to um, uh, pinch and squeeze uh, every little last dime that they had. So if you happen to find yourself in a struggling economy right now, uh, not to add insult to injury, but consider it a blessing. Because if you can figure out how to make money in a struggling economy, then that means when the economy does come back or turn around or bounce, whatever you want to call it, that your business is going to be positioned to capitalize big time on all of the tweaks and the changes that you made while business was tough. And again, in, in, in my case, um, I know firsthand that had I used that down economy or that poor time in the market to really understand why people were using the service that our business provided, when the market turned, I would have been in a much, 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 much better position. So what are some of the strategies that can help you survive? Well, the, the key strategy is figuring out why are people paying for your product or your service? What uh, what problem are you solving for them? And more importantly, what kind of experience are you giving them? Because people will pay for a solution to their problems. They will pay disproportionately more money when the experience of that problem being solved is uh, pleasurable and is a good use of their time uh, compared to the other things that they could be doing. And so the best strategy is to figure out why are people using your business? What is it about your product or your service? The next strategy is to figure out, okay, how do we actually make money? Like how does... How do we sell our widget or how do we offer our services for X amount of dollars, cover our costs, and make sure that there's money in the bank? And then, probably if your business has been around for a few years, the, the strategy, another strategy you're going to want to consider is, let's take a look at our balance sheet, let's look at all of our debt, and let's just figure out how we can pay it off in half the time that we had allocated. And you got to give yourself kind of some creative space to think about this. So let's say that your business is backwards $250,000. Let's say you've got, I don't know, line of credit or your accounts payable is over your accounts receivable by, receivable by a quarter of a million dollars. By forcing yourself to answer the question, how do we pay this off in 12 months? How do we pay this off in six months? How do we pay this off in 18 months? Wherever your particular comfort zone is, try to go a little further than that so that you're uncomfortable with the answer. And the answer might be, we really got to ratchet up our prices. The answer might be, we really got to cut our costs. The answer might be, man, we really got to figure out of all of these things that we do, which do we do the best and which can we do the most of? to generate the result that we're, that we're looking for and then say, you know, what do, what needs to change in our business in order for these things to happen. So those are some of the strategies. And just a little side note, there's a difference between strategies and tactics. Strategies um, are your kind of your higher level decisions that you're making about what it is that you want to do. You know, our strategy is to pay off our debt in the next six months. Our tactics are the mechanisms or the methods that we use to um, to address the strategy or to accommodate the strategy. So cutting costs, increasing prices, looking for new customers, revisiting old ones, et cetera. Those are all, those are all tactics. So if you're looking for strategies to help you survive and grow as a, as a small business in a struggling economy, then you've got to be able to, first of all, figure out what it is you have to work with. Where is it that you need, absolutely must, where do you need to get to? What is a, what is a must do? And based on the must do, we must do this. 
then what do those results look like? And that's your action plan. So there is a time to wallow in uh, self-pity. I did it for a few years, <laughs> longer than anyone should. Um, but once you're done doing that, it's time to dust yourself off and get going and figure out what do we need to do to survive? Because if your product or your service was needed when times were good, it's still going to be needed when times are bad, but you are going to have to revisit the offering to the marketplace and how you can make sure that your business is the last business standing. Okay, next question. What is a better business growth strategy? Selling more of the same product, expanding a product offering, or both? Um, Again, keep in mind these answers are off the cuff. So the first thing that comes to mind for me is a good rule of thumb is before you branch out into expanding your product offering, again, depending on your business or your product or your service, I always like to say, make sure that you're generating currently, make sure that you are generating more than 50% of your revenue somewhere between 50 to 80% of your revenue from existing clients. So if you're in a business like, let's say you're a professional services firm and, and you can only do a one-time sale or one-time transaction with your customer, then you got to look for referrals and consider that you know, meeting the same test. Uh, if you sell widgets or you, you have a particular product that you sell, then what you want to be working towards before you look at growing is you want to say, does 50 to 80% of our revenue somehow come from existing clients? And is 50 to 20% uh, of our revenue coming from new clients? Because when you kind of start reaching that sweet spot, that's when it's time to grow. That's when it's time to look at your existing customer base, whether it's uh, the first customer or the referral of a customer and say, okay, now what do we need to offer this group of people? What is it? Why do people use this in the first place? And then what are the most logical progressions from where we are now? What are the most logical upsells or add-ons to our business that we could offer our existing clients? 50 to 80% of our revenue is already coming from existing clients. So your, your very quickest growth strategy is then to layer on top of that a, a, another, another product or, or service offering that leverages that 50 to 80%. If you try to do it ahead of that, so let's say that only 10% of your business is um, repeat business and 90% of it is from brand new customers, that should tell you that you still have a lot of room within your current business structure to do a better job and to earn more revenue and to not spend so much on sales and marketing, which everyone knows it costs more money to go find a new customer than it does to resell to an existing one. Again, that's kind of a, a pretty black and white rule that has a lot of assumptions built into it. But if you just go with that for a minute, if you're only selling to, if, you're, if your revenue, if 10% or, you know, for example, 10% of your revenue is coming from existing clients and 90% is still coming from new clients, then it means probably not building great relationships. You probably don't have a good referral system in place. You're probably working way, way, way too hard to find that next customer. And this is if your business is young, uh, if your business is trying to grow, by the way, because the question being asked is, what's a better growth strategy: selling more of the same product or expanding a product offering, or both? And the answer is, until you get to fifty to eighty percent of your revenue coming from existing clients, you don't want to expand your product offering, because what happens is you spread yourself too thin, and your business is gonna is gonna throw off some false some false positives. You may decide that, yeah, 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 Dylan, I get it. 10% of our revenue comes from existing clients. 90% comes from new. But we really, really feel like our customers need this, this thing. And we can offer it to them. And we can make more money. 
let's assume you're 100% right. What you've now done is you've just taken the resources from the business and instead of reinvesting them, um, I will say intelligently, back into what's already working, you're now going to try and leverage and diversify into something that may or may not work. And now you spread yourself too thin. Now you're doing two things at 50% instead of one thing at 100%. And that's going to have its own financial ramifications. And then worse than that, worse than that, if you've never done this before, take it from me, you're going to start drinking your own Kool-Aid because the additional, the expanded product offering or service offering probably will attract some revenue. Then you're going to feel like a genius. But over time, what you're going to discover is if you did a look back over a year or two, two fiscal years or, or three fiscal years, you're going to say to yourself, you know what? It would have been less stressful and it would have had, we would have been less anxious had we just simply tried to get to uh, a level of revenue that was based on our current investments, we were the, our current marketing and sales investments that we were making into our existing customer base, instead of trying to do too much too quick, because we didn't have the cash to do it, we didn't have the infrastructure to do it. And the truth is, we, we actually didn't really understand why our clients were using us in the first place. So we went too fast to try and give them an additional product offering, and then, and then the wheels start falling off the bus. So my opinion is, uh, it's a better business growth strategy to sell your customers more products or services um, by expanding it um, once you have a substantial amount of your revenue coming from existing uh, clients year over year over year. Until such time as you're doing that, focus, focus, focus on selling the same product or service until you're amazing at it and your business can generate a consistent, predictable result um, because once you hit that plateau, then it makes sense to start reinvesting your profit back into uh, expanding your product offering. So hopefully you find, you find, that, uh, you find that helpful. Um, the next and last question as we come down the home stretch here is what are the best strategies to prepare for an upcoming meeting with potential investors or partners? And this happens to be right inside my wheelhouse um, because I've done this for 22 years. I meet with investors all the time, every week. In fact, I was talking to four of them today because we're looking at an opportunity um, to put some money to work into uh, a new business that's looking to uh, get its feet beneath it. And so I was talking to them today. But here's from a strategy, not, not necessarily a tactic perspective. Um, if you're not sure what that means, refer to the first question. Um, but the best strategies are to know what it is you're looking for and to know what destination your investors uh, and or your partners are going to help you get to. And the better you can articulate that and the better that you understand that, the better your meeting is going to be. Most, time in, most times investors and partners, in my experience, if you have relationships with them or you've been given the opportunity to speak to them, is to not bore them with the, the what I'll call in the weeds details. You know, that's the kind of stuff that, you should know, you should have at your fingertips, be prepared to answer. But the truth is, at those meetings with investors and partners, you really just want to pitch the high-level concept, the high-level of idea, or high-level idea. Why are we all doing this together? Why are we even here today? What's in it for you? What's in it for me? And collectively... How are we gonna? How are we gonna make sure that this that this opportunity is gonna work for all of us? So in preparing, you want to try and you know I don't know whether it's your partner, whether it's your friends, whether it's business colleagues, but just go and have a conversation with them and try to talk to them about 
the content of the meeting that you're going to have with investors and partners. And so, for example, in my life, what that looks like, God bless uh, Lisa, uh, my wife, uh, she gets to hear me kind of flush out uh, these ideas and all the time. So I'm constantly talking to her about what I'm working on, um, what my thinking is with the things that I'm working on, and when I'm stepping up to uh, do a capital raise or put some money together, I'm often just talking and talking and talking and talking through through the idea because in doing that, I get to refine it and I get to kind of cut away the stuff that I can kind of see she's not very engaged in, something, uh, you know, details that might be better left to um, a presentation package that you could leave behind or a follow-up email with some with a brief in it. Um, but that, and that, that meeting is really meant to be a conversation piece. And so the best strategy to prepare for is just go have lots of conversations and pretend the people that you're talking to um, are people that are... are are the people that you're going to be pitching your business to. And so, um, you know, for me, that can also look like pitching it to, you know, your father, your father-in-law, or other people, uh, because as you watch them react, if they know nothing about what it is that you're talking about, then that usually tells you where you've got to lean in. And by doing that, if you also uh, put the deal together and you have all of the details pretty fresh in your mind, if some investor partner takes you down a rabbit hole, then you can go down that rabbit hole and answer the questions for them. But the best strategy is not to begin uh, or not to include rabbit holes or uh, yeah, big deep rabbit holes that require a lot of explanation into your actual meeting. Um, and then uh, kind of on top of that, I would say make sure that you're the person that can deliver the results. Um, I know I know when I'm being pitched, um, by entrepreneurs that are looking for financing, oftentimes they try to, um, they don't convey confidence. They don't convey that, that they've actually got the plan. They, they tend to consider that the financing that I'm going to provide for them is somehow going to be the savior of their problem or their business. And the truth is that's never true. Money's never actually the solution. Um, it's just a mechanism. It's a tactic um, that can be used to achieve the solution, but it's not the solution itself. The solution itself is leadership and having a very clear understanding of what it is that you're trying to achieve. So in preparing for an upcoming meeting with investors and partners, make sure that whoever you're talking to or doing your, your role-playing with um, or just having conversations with, make sure that that you ask them, hey, how do I... Does it sound like I know what I'm talking about? Does it sound like I am um, drinking my own Kool-Aid and that I do have clarity on where I'm trying to get to? Or is it all kind of stuck in my head and I didn't do a good job of articulating it? Um, because if you go into those meetings and you're just expecting that investors and partners are going to know that you know, you're know you the best person to execute on the strategy, but you don't articulate it and you don't convey that sense of confidence, the meeting's not going to go as well as you think. So Again, off the cuff, those are some of the things that occur to me when um, you're when when trying to answer the question: What are the best strategies to prepare for an upcoming meeting with potential investors or partners? So, thanks for tuning in this week. Those are the three questions that uh, came across my radar that I thought would be interesting to answer. So, I appreciate you tuning in. Make sure to leave a review because when you do that or when you share this content, it kind of finds its way around the interwebs and lands in front of people that uh, may be able to benefit from what it is that um, that's been shared here, and uh, and that's my hope. So, uh, again, thanks for tuning in, and hopefully, you'll join me again on the next episode of Questions That Entrepreneurs Ask.